Can I say that uh, Instagram is a great platform, but they have one feature that I hate. Tequesa. You know when you uh, you're you're swiping left or right, yeah, and you you're sitting on the couch, you're lazing around, and you swipe from left to right by accident, and the front facing camera turns on, and you can see your face. <laughs> That's all for squished. real. Yeah, you never did that. I'm going to do it right now. You're going to see this. It's awful. Happens to me all the time when I'm swiping. You got fucking butterfingers. That's why. And all of a sudden, boom, there you are. Oh, Bad yes. angles. It's shocking when you see it because you're not expecting it. Because you're fucking it. ugly. That's why. Well, that's the thing. You're in it. You're in always in a bad position. You're like turned around and you're like, you know, you're, you got your chin down to your, your chest. You're looking at your phone. I don't mind bad positions from time to time. <laughs> It's just a, oh man, I hate it. I see it and I'm like, oh my God, look at how fucking ugly that is. <laughs> Welcome to Taming the Hustle. Or something of the sorts. Got anything on the go? Things to make you go, hmm. Mm. I just wanted to clarify RRSPs and TFSAs and non-registered accounts. This is something that seems very common with conversations we have with clients or potential clients is not really understanding what a TFSA or an RSP or a non-registered account is. Yeah, I was there. Countless times I'll hear a client say, well, why would I have a TFSA account? They don't earn anything. I might as well just put it in my RSP investment account or my yep. non-registered account. And that's because most of the time the banks just have them open up a TFSA in a bank account, not earning any interest and yeah. just sitting there idle. So like, what's the sense of having a tax-free savings account when you don't have any taxable income associated with your investment? doesn't really make sense. Exactly. So we refer to them as stamps. So what the bank ends up doing most of the time, if you don't have a relationship with your advisor there, is they'll just have you set up a bank account that is tagged as a TFSA. I wanted to talk about just clarifying or clearing the air on what TFSAs, RSPs, and yeah. open accounts or non-registered accounts are. Okay. So essentially, Canadians have the ability to decide how they're going to pay tax on the growth of their investment. Okay. So the government gives you choices on how you're going to pay tax when you invest, regardless of the underlying asset. Like, doesn't matter if it's stock, real estate, fixed income such as bonds or mutual funds or ETFs. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. The underlying asset is what you're choosing to invest in. The TFSA, the RSP, and the non-registered is that stamp we keep referring to, which is the client or the Canadian's ability to choose how they're going to pay tax on it. So the first one would be the open account okay, or what we call non-registered. So yeah. this is essentially cash that could be invested in stock, mutual funds, ETFs, whatever. With the open plan, it's essentially the pay-as-you-go like a cell phone. So if okay. you earn a dollar in 2015... Well, in 2015, you have to pay tax on that dollar. Okay. So if it'll be treated for tax purposes differently, if it's a capital gain, a dividend or interest income, yeah. but nonetheless, you'll have to pay tax on it in that particular year. So after the non-registered account, you've got the RSP. So the RSP strategy or the, the concept behind the RSP that the government created was you would invest, say, a dollar when your taxable income is 44%. So you'd get a 44 cent refund. Oh. And presumably, you would grow that dollar to X amount 
and to help you fund your retirement when you're in a period in your life where you have lower taxable income. So let's say 20%. So you save 44 cents on the dollar when you invested in the RSP as a tax credit. You're essentially making a deal with the devil, right? Which is CRA. Gotcha. Yeah. So CRA then knows that you're going to have to pay tax on that at any particular time, whether it's if you have an emergency and you need to pull RSP money out, which is uh, unfavorable. Mm-hmm. If you then retire and you start drawing from your RSP as a RIF, or if you die with RSP money, your estate is then responsible for paying those taxes. So when you get the RSP contribution tax break at the time of contribution, you've then made that deal with the devil that at some point in time, you're going to pay tax on that. So that's the way that one is registered. Okay. So you have one stamp is the non-registered and it's a pay-as-you-go. You have the RSP where you're getting the tax break on whatever amount you're investing in based on your tax bracket, but you've made a contract with the devil that at some point in time, when you cash those RSPs in, you're going to have to pay tax on it on at the tax rate that you are at that particular time. Gotcha. Then lastly, the TFSA, which is the newcomer to the game. I think they've yeah. been around since 2009. That one confused me early on. Well, so the TFSA, you're not getting the tax break as you would with an RSP. Yeah. So essentially, if you invest, say, $1,000, you're going to have to earn, you know, thirteen to $1,600, for example, pay the tax on it, have $1,000 of tax paid money, and then you get to invest that. Okay. So the kicker with the TFSA is you did not get the tax break. You've got tax paid dollars sitting in your account that you can invest. And then whatever growth you get on that $1,000, if you turn it into $30,000, you don't have to pay a capital gains tax on that. So is there a better method? Is one better than the other or it just depends on circumstance? It depends on circumstances. And this is where you really need to be working with a certified financial planner to make sure that you're looking at all angles to make sure that you're getting the ultimate outcome from a tax perspective. Yeah, because I know people who were gung-ho about TFSAs and then exactly what you just said earlier was they come back and say, yeah, it's not growing at all. I don't understand. Yeah, it's because the underlying asset, right? You have to make sure the underlying asset is is actually put to work. So if your underlying asset is a bank account, your bank account's not going to grow. Yeah. It's funny with all these investment vehicles out there and it's like, I'm not trying to bash the bank at all, but I remember when I first had my first child we were, you know, low on income and we said, we're going to start an RESP. We started with the bank that we were with right away. And then, you know, when I started talking to you and you didn't even know we had invested at that point. And it was after about four or five years, I was like, this thing isn't growing. Like it's literally just sitting there. And when I asked the person at the bank, they were like, oh no, no, don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to grow. You're going to, you're going to see some real good things. It just needed a little Viagra. Exactly. And then when I talked to you, you basically said, you're like, oh, they, they treated it like a savings account. And it wasn't invested properly. And now my kids could go to university twice over. Well, by the time they get there, hashtag call Renee. Yeah. And the other thing too, is not just the underlying asset is when should you be doing an RSP versus a TFSA? And that's a segment on its own. So we could probably resurface that at some point, but I'll touch on it quickly is often we'll see with our competitors You know, if you're starting off with a small client, the stereotype in our industry is that if you're a small client, we're not going to take real good care of you until you have real money, which I think is a crock of shit. We should all be treating our clients fairly. Oh, exactly. So anyway, let's say you have someone who's earning like 30,000 a year, anything under 45,000, actually, you're in the lowest tax bracket possible. So if you're earning approximately 45 or less, let's say in the province of Ontario, you're paying 20.05% tax. And that's the lowest tax bracket that exists over and above your personal exemption amount. So the problem is 
if someone is recommending to that person who wants to save yeah. and they recommend that they put it in an RSP, what's going to happen is they put $1,000 in, they're going to get $200 back as a tax credit. Okay. And presumably if they're a client with less assets, they're a bit younger and just starting out in life. Then you have 30 years or 40 years of growth. Yeah. This person turns 60 and that $1,000 is now worth, say, $6,000. Yeah even $5,000, that 5,000, even if you're still in the lowest tax bracket, you're going to have to pay 20% on the full five grand, right? So all you're doing is kicking the can down the road. Yeah. And it also increases liquidity is if you do it in a tax-free savings account, you've paid the tax on it, but whatever it is you make it grow to, you're then going to be exempt from paying tax when you take it out. So if that $1,000 turns into six or seven, if you end up doing really well with your investment, when you pull that six or 7,000 out, you're not going to have to pay any tax at all. Fill your pockets a little more. Well, regardless of the tax bracket, because if you're doing RSPs in the earlier years at a 20% tax rate, because you're just getting started and then you end up with a fruitful career and then you retire with a 44% tax bracket. Well, now not only are you paying tax on the 6,000 as opposed to the 1,000, but you're also paying 44% tax as opposed to paying the 20% tax. You're really just shooting yourself in the foot. So you have to either be really good at at a DYI or you seek the help from professionals to guide you right. I feel like financial planning, when people do DIY, it's like that show Nailed It, where they make the the cakes and the desserts and they turn out like crap. It's a recipe for anxiety. It is. And we're going to talk about that at some point, maybe today. Okay. Um, let's take a break. Good with that? Sure am. See you on the other side. You've heard of the term impact investing, but what does it really mean? It means making an environmental and social impact with your investments. Good for the soul and your bottom line. Hashtag call Renee, responsible investment specialist of St. Cyr and Associates. So that was an ad you just heard. And uh, that's what I want to talk about. A, kind of a guide to creating ads. And well, I don't want to say a guide because I'm not going to get too deep into it, but I want to give a, a little bit of information on how to create an, an effective ad because I think that one was pretty damn effective. My suggestion, you just hashtag call Hepburn Productions. <laughs> don't even have to think about it. Not everyone has the budget for that, but that's okay. You know, they'll, they'll get there. And if they listen to our podcast and take some of these tips away, they can get successful and then just hire. It's like a bridge benefit. Exactly. So one of the things that people need to do when they're starting to try to figure out an ad is figure out what your goal is. So when we create an ad, we actually think, what is the end goal here? And then we work backwards. I would call that the message if I'm if I'm correct. Exactly. It brings you in, right? What's going to get you to come into this store? What's going to get you to go to that restaurant? What's going to get you to buy online? And we look at that end goal and we say, okay, we have to work backwards. That's why there's pretty women in bikinis in pretty much every beer commercial. Exactly. What do we want as the outcome? Yep. And they want you to buy their beer. And if you buy their beer and you're drinking their beer at a bar, those pretty girls, well, at least we all think that's what's going to happen, are going to come up to you in the bar in their bikinis and say, hello, guys. Or on a pit bull boat. Exactly. (laughs) When you're trying to figure out your goal, you got to figure out, is it driving traffic to the website that you want? Is it getting more followers? Is it shopping directly on Facebook or Instagram. Like there's many different avenues that you need to figure out where you want these people to go. Yeah. And is it safe to assume that one of the goals could be just delivering your message of your why? Correct. 
Yeah, it could be as simple as that. But that's what you need to figure out before you actually start creating. You, you got to find where are the holes in my business and you're trying to fill them, right? So if it's the Facebook or Instagram store online that's not getting any traffic, maybe that's what you want to deliver to fill that void. So the next thing you got to think about is format, right? Is it a story on Instagram you're going to post? Is it a, is it a post? Is it a paid ad? Is it a single paid ad? Is it a carousel? Which if you don't know what a carousel is, I don't think if you owned a clothing store, you don't want to put one ad up that just has one shirt. You want them to be able to like a carousel flip through a bunch of things. So when you do an ad and you see those, it's like you can swipe through and see all different products and stuff like that. And so you kind of want to show off your shit, right? So how are you doing that? Where's the avenue? Are you, is it a TV commercial? Is it a radio ad? Is it graphic design? The next thing is consistency, right? If you've done ads before, look back at what you've done. See what's consistent, what you can carry on. Because if there's an ad that actually worked, be consistent with that ad and fucking steal off of it, right? You want to get retain that same clientele. For sure. And, and, and it's got to have something to do with brand recognition too, I would think. Exactly. And that's exactly my next point is creating eye-catching content that actually ties into your brand. Right. Because like I've said this before and I'll say it again, I watch a commercial on TV and it gets to the end and the logo comes up and I'm like, what the fuck did that have to do with car insurance? And songs when it's done right. Yes. Fuck, like how many times you and I sing frigging commercials from when we were like little kids to last week's commercial. Well, and that's repetitiveness, right? And that goes into this as well of creating an ad. It's don't have such a short time that your ad is running because with television, it takes, well, with anything, it takes you seven times seeing it before you actually retain it. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you're just doing an ad and you're going to run it for 24 hours or 48 hours, they saw it, they forgot about it. Let it live for a little bit. Let it brew out there, right? And the last thing I want to touch on is just how to create the app. So if you don't have a means, if you don't have a graphic design bone in your body, you don't know how to use a camera, you don't know how to edit, you don't know anything, there are templates out there that you can get. You can hire somebody to use a template, which costs a hell of a lot less than starting all from scratch, right? Yeah, I can do photography pretty good, but uh, don't ask me the first thing about videography. I I wouldn't know where to start. Exactly. And even with your photography, it's like if you wanted to create an ad, you still need more than just the picture, right? I still have no clue. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you can go on, you can learn through templates and stuff like that. And the the very last thing is once you've created all that is show it to people before you put it out. Show it to the people you trust. Maybe you have a spelling mistake. Maybe you have too much text. Or it could be as simple as your ad doesn't fucking make sense. And I love it when people tell us, like I run ads by friends all the time where I'm like, hey, this is a pretty big ad. I want to make sure we get it right before I introduce it to the client. Can you just take a look? They take a look and they're like, yeah, it looks good. And most of the time it's, it looks perfect. It's great. We love it. And other times the odd thing where they're like, Hey, didn't quite understand this. Yeah. It's like that commercial you were telling me about earlier. If someone had asked for a second opinion before uh, airing it. Exactly. Probably wouldn't have aired. The way I look at it too. And if you have kids at home is depending what you're selling, um, show a kid and say, explain to me what that is. And if they can explain it, then you're probably pretty good to go. And if adults don't get it at that point, then they're just stupid. Stupid adults. Yeah. Hey, um, speaking of adulthood, I want to talk about something that sounds a little weird. And uh, it's definitely going to preach again that we're not doctors. But uh, I want to talk about anxiety. I don't think that's weird at all. I want to know about developing anxiety. And I want to talk about that when we get back. As a business owner, your definition of wealth should be watching your business grow and watching your employees grow with it. 
Having a financial plan for you and your team can ensure success. To find out how, hashtag call Renee of St. Cyr and Associates. So before we left, I mentioned developing anxiety. And I've had this conversation with a few friends and they've said, no, no, you can't develop anxiety as you get older. And me personally, I disagree because I have. When I was a kid, a teenager, into my 20s, slowly into my 30s, I had no anxiety. I had such confidence with everything. I could talk to anybody. I could do anything. And then all of a sudden, little anxiety started to come into my life and I couldn't get rid of them. Yeah, I can attest to that. It's uh, it's frustrating. It's all hell. And after looking into it, like according to studies, this is a common thing that you get more anxiety as you get older. Did they indicate at all why? It's different theories. And I, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to go into that. Um, no, but you're living it, right? I am living it. And it's it's one of those things where I don't want to say that it's a fear. Like, well, they, they say... Anxiety is mental health condition that can cause worry, fear, or tension. And my thing is, it's it's not even, I, don't, I can't, it's hard to explain. It's not worry, it's not fear, and I don't know if it's tension. Something as stupid as calling, like, your phone company. It's like, okay, I know this is going to be a fight because they put an extra $400 on my bill. Clearly, it's not mine. And But you call the phone company, you know it's not going to go well. You're sure not having a ton of phone sex? <laughs> no, that, I do. It's it's all free online these days. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'll I'll get on the phone. I'll dial the phone and I start to talk. And like the first person comes on, and I can feel my blood pumping. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh, that's got to be an awful feeling. It is, and it's like it's little things like that. Like, well, I'm gonna get real personal here. And uh, but you and I have went on trips together. We go out every now and then. But one of the things that you've noticed about me is I use the washroom a lot. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So I have a small bladder, but I also have a weak stomach. So if someone says to me, "Hey, we're doing a dinner party. It's a birthday party for a friend." It's going to be at this restaurant. So I go online, I look at the menu, and then I I see and I'm like, oh, fuck. I don't know if anything on that menu is okay for my stomach. And then I start to fucking panic. Hmm. And there's been times where I've panicked enough where I'm like, I call them like, oh, I just got called out of town. So I park my car in my garage and I close up the fucking blinds so no one knows I'm home. But it's and it's so frustrating because I'm sitting at home and I'm like, all my friends are out having a great time and I'm worried about shit in my pants. That's not good. No, and it's it's things like that. So like I've tried to, you know, take tips and tricks over time and I, I've worked with psychologists and stuff like that and and therapists and just try to get inside my brain and try to fix this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there really is a certain fix. Coping mechanism. Exactly. That's what, exactly what I'm saying. And one of the coping mechanisms that I find works is is focusing on what you can change. What you have control of. Exactly. So like, you know, for example, people who have money problems, they're always sitting there thinking about losing their house. We're almost wired to like never be happy and always desire more. Exactly. You you and I've had a conversation again. I'm going to get a little personal here, but we've had a conversation long ago. Money was tight. We had two new babies. We had construction lawsuits with our builder. It was a freaking nightmare. And I remember saying, you know, it's like, man, I don't know how much more I can do. Like it's, I'm starting to lose my thing. And I'm like, I can't take my kids out to dinner. I can't do this with my wife. I can't buy a new car. And then I remember you said to me, you're like, dude, I want you to hang up the phone. I want you to go in the living room and look at the three people sitting there looking at you. And you'll be so thankful of those three people. And it's, it's true. You know, when I, Anytime I do feel down or I'm, you know, getting that anxiety and I'm like, oh my God, my brain's going to explode. I do. I walk into the room, I look and I won't tell anybody, but I'll look at my wife. I'll look at my kids. I look around my house and what I have. And I'm like, 
I just take a deep breath and I'm like, I'm still here. Everything's still okay. I have these people who love me. You know, I know, I know I'm getting, I'm getting deep here. I said that. Yeah, you said that. I know. Hard to believe. Wow. I know. Usually you're more insensitive to me than that. That's deep. That is deep. I thought you were going to say that. I said, get off the phone. Just fucking get to work, man. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's usually what you say. That's why I was so surprised you said it that time. I wasn't sure if you were Googling it at the time. You're like, fuck, this guy seems like he's on the ledge. (laughs) I I stress out about stuff, but I can't say I've ever had anxiety. I just, I can't imagine. I I know it's real, but I, I would... I would just hate to have that feeling. That's got to be fucking awful. It is. I I wish I could fix it, you know, and, but like I said, I, I cope with it. I have coping skills and I'm, I'm able to get, you know, I'm at the point now where yes, I'll still go to the restaurant, but I've mentally prepared. I physically prepared. I got Tums in the car. I got Pepto-Bismol. I got, you know, to the point now, like, I'm getting way too personal here and I'm oversharing, but it's like, I even have like toilet paper in the car just in case I'm on the side of the road. It seems so stupid to me that I can't, I can't just get past it without shitting your pants, without shitting my fucking (laughs) pants. So anyways, well, that's, we have to make, we have to make light of it because uh, it, it, it is real and it's, uh, it's difficult, I'm sure. So whatever tips and tricks that you can share, that's awesome. Yeah. And you know what? I think I'm going to, not that we're going to have an anxiety talk every time, but if I think of a little tip and trick every now and then, I might just uh, continue to share because whatever works for me, maybe it'll work for somebody else. Yeah. Jay-Z has, uh, he has anxiety, but he never gets anxious about his bitch because he's got 99 problems. His bitch ain't one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He never gets anxious about his bitch. <laughs> Well, on that note, I think we should end things right there. That's pretty good for me. I think that's fine. We got all the material we need. (laughs) Did you bring that up? Because I don't know if you know, well, our listeners, if you haven't heard it yet, you might at some point. Uh, we did an ad for Renee that uh, was 99 problems, but my financial plan's not one. <laughs> yeah, my plan ain't one. Yeah. That's how Ashton said it, I think. I got 99 problems, but my plan ain't one. It's so genius. That's awesome. That's a mic drop. That was a mic drop. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. Sorry to get super deep and super personal. And uh, if you see me running down the street, I'm coping with it, but I am probably going to shit my pants. (laughs) See you guys next time. Ciao.